This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Well, take your Bibles and turn with me today to the book of Psalms, chapter 100. And I want to remind you that we are now in, in a campaign, so to speak, of our church. It's a very important season right now. These particular sermons, we're talking about a new series. There are six sermons in this particular series. Today we're on sermon number two, and the series is entitled Serving Together. It's a most difficult series to speak about because it affects all of us in a very up-close and personal way. Every one of us, there's no one exempt in this series. And so I pray, it's my prayer that God would help me to preach this with a burden and with passion and that you would receive it in such that way. There's a lot to be said in these next few weeks and really after the series is over, we're going to be emphasizing a lot of opportunities for you as a ministry and for us as Buford Road Baptist Church. And so this morning, I want to continue in that theme, and I'm going to speak this morning on eight reasons why everyone should serve the Lord. Eight reasons why. And we're going to be looking at the foundational text in Psalms chapter 100. Most of you are well familiar with this passage, and I want to ask you to turn there with me. And uh, there are portions, if not all of it, that you know by memory. You learned it as a child. But I want to read these very simple verses for you and make the application quickly with you this morning. In Psalms chapter 100, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Now, that's already disqualified a lot of excuses. All right? From the very get-go... All of you are qualified. And then it says this, wow, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Maybe, just maybe you already know this. But we're living in a society today where people are feeding on an entitlement mentality. I want you to think with me now. They want a culture where people are just given stuff. They're wanting people to just hand them stuff and where they don't have to work for it. They don't have to study for it. They don't have to sacrifice for it. They have just decided to live 
with this give me, give me, give me type of mentality. And it's sad to see what's happening in our country because this is the, this is the ideology that people are gravitating towards by the droves, by the millions. That particular mindset has come and become an epidemic all across America. But you know what? If we are not careful as born-again believers, and again, last week I set the stage to emphasize that even though we are part of the ecclesia, we are part of the grand total body of Jesus, that's wonderful. I'm not speaking about ministries that go beyond our walls today or beyond our reach. I'm talking about Buford Road Baptist Church. That's what this series is about. I pray for all the works in the world that are doing things for Jesus and are making marks for his cause and who are preaching the sound word of God. I thank God for all of that and I pray for those pastors and I thank God for those uh, local New Testament churches that are doing wonderful and abundant things. But I'm not preaching today on worldwide evangelism. I'm talking today about Buford Road Baptist Church. And here's the thing. If we are not careful as Buford Road Baptist Church, we could subconsciously develop the mentality of just give me, give me, give me, where we as members just sit back and who are content and satisfied with just soaking it all up without giving anything whatsoever back to it. I want you to think about this, but the truth of the matter is this. God wants all of us as Buford Road Baptist Church, whether visitors or members, listen carefully, especially members, God wants all of us to be a part of his church. He wants all of us to be a part of his work and his service. And I want you to think about the results that could happen within this ministry if all of us, young or old, regardless of who we are, what the season of life we're in, think about what could happen if all of us would join hands and serve together. I want you to think about that. And I want to share with you today eight undisputable facts that will happen or that is the reason about serving together. Number one, if you look on your bulletin today, we're talking about we were saved to serve. And there is a scripture that I want to give you this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 9. Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according, look at this very carefully now. Don't let the word of God breeze by you today. Soak it up, be a sponge for Jesus. Look at this. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us, God has a purpose for us. God has given us a purpose. We're not just here breathing air. There's a reason why we're here. 
to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now, the reason, listen carefully, the reason why God doesn't just zap us up to heaven the moment that we get saved is because he has some things he wants us to do. That's why. You remember the old Star Trek series when Captain Kurt and Scotty got into a bind? He would always say this, beam me up, Scotty. Remember that? God doesn't just beam us up when we get saved. Oh, there's another one. There's another one. There's another one. The reason why he doesn't do that is he has something for us to do, a purpose, a work. And thank God in Christ. Yes, number one, he did come to save us from an eternity in hell. He did. And that should never be minimized. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. But listen, he not only came to save us from a life of sin, but he also came to save us unto a life of service. Paul said it this way in Galatians 1.15, But when it pleased God who separated me, th this, is, this is astounding, wonderfully, well said. I want you to look at it carefully. Let this sink deep down this morning. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Here's the thing. We were all conceived with a purpose. Our birth did not give God something new to think about. Because he's omniscient, that word means all-knowing. God has always known that at some point you were going to be brought under the sound of the gospel. That you were going to be convicted by the Holy Spirit of God. God has always known that because of that, he was going to call you, separate you for work. And so our birth did not give God something new to think about. Number two, look very carefully here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 16. We are all gifted to serve. Now, just as you have read with me in the opening passage of Scripture this morning, make a joyful noise unto the Lord that qualifies all of us. But here's the thing that I want you to take it a little bit farther with, and that is this. We are all, every one of us, and don't pass it down the pew. All of us are gifted to serve. Look at the scripture. For whom the whole body is fitly joined together. I mean, God has brought the body together for a purpose. Compacted by that which, look at this, every joint or every member, every person supplied according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, I know this, listen carefully, that some will disagree with this. I get it. Listen, when I put this ser series together uh, months ago, I knew the ramifications of most of the outcome. And so I've already accepted it. And I still feel with a passion God want, wants me to preach it. Now, I know that some are going to disagree with this, and some may even turn away from it. There's some that deep down in their heart, they may want to argue with it, but there are some who would say, and I know this, well, God, 
if you would have given me a voice like so-and-so, I, I if you had done that, then I'd be using it for your glory. Some would say, well, preacher, listen now, let's be real. If, if I could teach like that brother or that sister, Lord knows I'd teach. Or if I could preach like them, Lord knows, preacher, I surely would give that a world. But since you didn't, God, well, that disqualifies me. That's for that brother. That's for that sister. But listen carefully. Every single one of us, all of us, young, midlife, elder life, every one of us have been given spiritual gifts to bring to the table of God, all of us. And please listen carefully. The devil wants you to minimize your spiritual gift. Because if he can get you to minimize your spiritual gift, he can get you to eliminate yourself from using your spiritual gift. You know, here's the truth of the matter. You, you can fake praising God. You, you say, oh, well, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. You can come in here and when you sing songs of Zion, you see somebody get under the spout where the glory is pouring out and they're worshiping God and you're saying, man, what's, what's wrong with that person? And you're saying, I wish I had what that person had. And then because you don't want people to think you don't have what they have, you go, praise God. You can fake it. You can fake praising God. But I'll tell you what, you cannot fake serving him. Number three, we are all admonished or we are all instructed to serve the Lord by his personal example. In Matthew chapter 20, verse number 28, the Bible says, even as the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give him life, give his life a ransom for many. So here's the thing that I want you to understand. When Jesus showed up on this earth, remember now, he showed up in Bethlehem's manger. He, he humbled himself. He took a lowly place. He didn't come to ivory palace. So let me use my coat for an example here just for a minute. I need to get your attention anyway, just in case you passed it down to your brother. When Jesus showed up on the earth, he didn't come in waving banners and saying, hey, I'm the son of God. I'm the Messiah. I want all of you to worship me because I've come from heaven. He didn't show up waving banners. You know what he did? He came with a towel. And he knelt down and washed the disciples' feet. Think about it. So you think about this with me just for a moment. He taught by example. And then number four, look at this very quickly. We serve because it encourages our children to serve. 
Now, I want every person in the building to pay very close attention to this point right here. I pray that God will brand and inscribe some of this not only in your mind, but in your heart. We serve because it encourages our children to serve. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up, raise them, surround them, influence them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And there's one scripture that I want to use in addition to this that you don't have on your bulletin today, and that's 3 John chapter 1 and verse number 4. And it says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Did I ever tell you the story how Gail and I met? Somebody said, well, you have a hundred times. I want to do it one more time. It was late in August in 1967, and there were about five or six of us young boys, junior boys, that always huddled under a big magnolia tree alongside of Tulip Alley and Adam Street. Back in those days, services started about 7.30 on Sunday night. We didn't have air conditioning. We had those old funeral home fans. You remember those days? We'd raise those windows up in the whole service. We were fighting mosquitoes, praising Jesus, the whole thing. And about 7.20 on that hot August night, an old dilapidated station wagon pulled out in front of the church and about seven kids piled out and were walking in behind the mother hen down that sidewalk. And I turned to one of my dear friends and I said to him, it's 720, 10 years old. I'm going to marry that girl right there. And to make a long story short, I graduated on from high school on Wednesday night. She graduated on the following Thursday. We had the wedding rehearsal on Friday and got married on Saturday. <laughs> we were 18 years old. And if there's anybody in here today that's 18 years old and wants to do that, do not come see me. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that to anybody, but I wouldn't change anything for my life depended on it. And when we got married, because she was raised in church and I was raised in church, we decided something when we were kids, didn't have a lick of sense, we would have lived in a phone booth. We would have done everything we could have done to survive. But we said this. We had enough sense to say this. That if God, it's 18 years, if God blessed us with children, we were going to take them to church. We were going to raise them to church. If we had to put them in a backpack and walk, we were going to raise them in church. And there was nothing, nothing that was going to separate that Nothing that was going to stand in that way. That was June the 12th, 1976. When Adam was born on December the 11th, 1977, Christmas Day, December the 25th, 
he was just two weeks old, Gail and I, because we had prayed the prayer of Hannah. God, if you bless us with children, we'll dedicate them to you. We'll raise them for your glory. And just listen now, we're just young people. And on Christmas morning, December the 25th, 1977, Gail and I got out of that pew carrying that baby and walked him down that aisle and we laid him on the altar and on Christmas morning we said, God, because you gave us your son, we're giving you ours and we want to raise him to love you and to honor you and to bless you. And so we dedicated him to the Lord on that day. And then Brian came along and then Crystal came along. By the way, I don't know how many of you know that Crystal now... She just turned the big 40 in her life, and she and her husband has just been blessed with a great surprise. And we've got 14 grandchildren out, and we got one in. <laughs> she just found out that she's expecting, at 40 years old, our 15th grandchild, and it was a surprise. Lord, there's a lot of people in here today that need a surprise. There's a Zacharias in here, Lord. There's an Elizabeth in here, Lord. Give them a surprise. But not me, God. Not me, God. There are others who need it worse than I do. I'll gladly pass my blessing on to them. And I got to thinking about all of that. There were, there were decisions made, and we watched all of our children, just young children, grow, and we, we were doing this, raising them in the admonition of the Lord thing. I mean, to tell you, we didn't miss nothing. Whatever the church had going on, if it was a work day, if it was a paint day, it was a dinner on the ground, it, we didn't miss nothing. That's the way my dad taught me, don't miss nothing. We were at that church house every time the lights and doors were on or open. Our prayer was that they would come to know the Lord as their personal Savior. Because you see, my children, just because they were born in a pastor's home, wasn't, didn't make them a Christian. They had to come under the sound of preaching. They had to come under the conviction. They had to trust the Lord as their personal Savior. And, and I can remember when, when Adam was saved and then uh, Brian, we were praying for Brian. We knew his heart was tender. And we just said, oh, God, work in his heart, work in his life. And we were praying, and I was looking forward to the day where I could take that Bible and open it up and give him the scriptures where he would trust the Lord as a Savior. And one Sunday night after church, Gail she comes in there to me, smiling like a possum. She said, guess what? I said, what? She said, I just let Brian to the Lord. I said, no! I wanted to do that. And we started hugging and crying and carrying on. It was a wonderful thing. And she said, rejoice rejoice rejo I said well I am rejoicing I said you might could lead him to the Lord but you cannot baptize him <laughs> I said I can do that so we ended up 50-50 with it 
and we started raising them. And Crystal came along. And I can remember that when just, I guess, maybe five, six years old on Saturday mornings, I'd go out and knock on doors and just soul win and tell people about Jesus and invite them to come to church. And Brian, he would wake up every Saturday morning. He said, Dad, are we going to tell people about Jesus today? Are we going to tell people about Jesus? I said, come on. And the Lord led our family to partner together in a gospel singing ministry, and we traveled all over the East Coast singing. Brian, as he was raised in the admonition of the Lord, I cannot give you all of the details on this. It would take me forever and a day, but he, he got a partial scholarship at Liberty University playing drums, and he was the last person they had what they call was a cattle call. And it was an audition for summer students coming in, trying out for various groups and ensembles and musicians and so forth. And he he had a day scheduled uh, for and because it was a partial scholarship at Liberty for this. And so he he got involved and signed up and they started having two weeks of what they call cattle call. And they were just bringing in hundreds of kids left and right and. We, Gail and I would check on him daily and said, have you, have you played yet? Have you, have you heard anything? No, no, no. They haven't got to me yet. And we kept calling. He said, Dad, I'll call you when it happens. Chill. I said, okay. So we just got fidgety with it, and two weeks went by. And he said, Dad, he said, I found out today. He said, I'm the last one to interview we said, okay. He said, and you pray. He said, because Brian had played the drums for the quartet for years, and we knew he was a masterful drummer. We knew, we knew that. And so he said, listen, they're giving these kids two or three songs. And he said, I'm the last one. Pray. So we prayed, we prayed, we prayed. And they called him in for his interview. And he called Gail and I about 5 o'clock on one particular evening, and he said, listen, they stopped me, Dad. They stopped me. He said, I played 30 seconds. They're giving all these kids three and four songs. He said, they stopped me in 30 seconds. I said, Brian, what'd you do, man? What'd you do? <laughs> he said, I don't know, Dad. I don't know. And the next morning, he called and he said, they called him in. Sat him down. And this is what they said to him. As you know, son, we have been giving all these kids this time. Two weeks have gone by. But in 30 seconds... We all concluded that you were the one we wanted. We didn't have to hear another beat. And so they gave him a partial scholarship at Liberty. Time went on. They gave him a full scholarship. He traveled with a group called Eternal Praise, representing Jerry Falwell and Liberty University. I'll never forget the night I was sitting at the kitchen table. Adam called me. He said, Dad, you're not going to believe this. He said, Brian and his group are on the front cover of the National Enquirer. I said, no. <laughs> what have they done? He said, you, you need to check it out. I said, are you, are you kidding me? Are you playing with me? He said, I'm serious. There was a little 7-Eleven called up. He's just right from us. I got in the car, flew down there. There was two left down there. I grabbed it, and there my son was <laughs> on the cover of National Enquirer all over the country. And it was a story about Liberty University and so forth. But anyway, I tell you all of that to say this. Raising your children 
in the admonition of the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about a part-time situation here, and I'm not talking about just when things are looking good for you. But from that experience, just with Brian's life and getting that scholarship to Liberty University now, today, looking back on all of that, all of those years today, he is the pastor of Exchange Church in Roseville, North Carolina, just outside of Raleigh. My son-in-law is an executive pastor of Parkway in the Northern Virginia area. But here's the thing. Your kids are not going to just wake up one Saturday morning and come to the breakfast table and say, hey, I'm all in for Jesus. I want to show you something real quickly here on a video. It's about a minute and a half. I want you to see this because this, this happened literally two Sundays ago on Easter Sunday night. Brian started his church from scratch. You're running about 340, 350 now. They're not meeting in a building. They don't have a building. They meet in a school. And on this particular night, Easter Sunday night, if you remember, I left the service early. Gail and I headed for Raleigh immediately after the service. We got there just in time. There were five people scheduled to get baptized, five. One of them was a Catholic man who had just got saved, just couldn't get it. And just for whatever reason, put it off, put it off, put it off. And, found, and he works in the, in the medical field. He works in the operating room. He's the guy that when they're doing open heart surgery, he holds your heart in his hand and he makes sure that everything is okay with it. That's the kind of guy this was. And he stood in the baptismal pool and he gave a testimony. He said, if exchange didn't come after me, he said, if people weren't involved, he said, I don't know where I'd be. He said, but because exchange got involved and came after me, he said, I stand here today professing Jesus as my Savior. I know that I'm saved and I'm ready to get baptized. And then it was my little grandson's turn. And here's what happened on Easter Sunday night. We're not talking about Memorial Day, 4th of July, and all of these special days we congregate. I'm telling you that Easter Sunday evening, now, Brian, they don't meet in a church house. They, don't, they meet in a school. The school doesn't have a baptistry. So there's a family in his church that has about a 60-acre farm. They have a swimming pool and they have a hot tub. And so they said, look, we need to baptize five of these people. We'll baptize them at our house. Y'all come on. And I will tell you, 300 people came to the baptism on a 60-acre farm on Easter Sunday night. If I was going to mention we were going to have a baptism on Easter Sunday night, there wouldn't be 10 people here. I can't show you all of the 350, but I can show you my little grandson. And the reason why I want to show you this is because it's a testimony. It goes all the way back to the day that Gail and I said when we were 18 years old that come hell or hot water, we were going to raise our children in church. We were going to lay them on the altar of God, dedicate them to the Lord, and there was not going to be any foolishness, no excuses. We were going to raise them in the house of the Lord. And because of that, what you're going to see now, because I know what it's like as a dad to baptize my children. And now it has come full circle to where my son baptized his son. I want to show you this, but listen, you have to listen carefully to what Levi, my little 11-year-old grandson, said at the very beginning. Now, because you might miss it, I'll tell you what he said. 
if Justin can get this real quick, it's about a minute and 30 seconds. I want you to see this. This is on a 60-acre farm out in Roseville, North Carolina. Levi, why is it that today uh, you'd like to be baptized? Because I want to show everybody I want to be all in for Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Man, if you know this guy, you know that's true. The conversations you have with him, the love that he has for you and the church, uh, for your kids, uh, you know that's true. Levi, have you decided to follow Jesus for the entire life? From the top of your head to the bottom of your toes. And because you've said that, because you believe that, I get to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of His death, raised to walk in you. And I tell you this, I know the joy. I know the joy of what that's all about. And I don't know if you heard what he said. When he got to that microphone, this is what he said. He said, I'm all in for Jesus. Listen, those of you with children, you're not going to be surprised one day by your grandchildren or your children walking up to your breakfast table and saying, I'm all in for Jesus. It doesn't happen that way. You got to start way back. You say, well, preacher, I've missed some strides in my life. I've missed some opportunities. That's okay. You start now. Start today. You're going to be surprised. Serving the Lord, you see with your own eyes, serving the Lord, listen, it's going to build your family. Number five, real quickly, we serve the Lord because the church family needs our help. Again, I want to reference this in Ephesians 4.16, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, look at this, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Every one of us wants our church to grow. I believe we do. At least we all do. I hope so. But if we grow, listen, we have got to have people in places that facilitates the growth. It has to work like that. I mean, we cannot keep growing if the same handful of people are overloaded doing everything every Sunday, every Wednesday, just within a handful of people. I mean, we have all the most incredible ministries I believe we could offer, but people without serving, serving the Lord, listen, we will only be producing confusion if we bring in masses of people and only have a handful of people working. Imagine a new family coming in our church and suppose just for a moment we don't have enough nursery workers on that Sunday. And so the young mother comes in and she bobbles her baby in the lobby during the church time, watching the service on the closed circuit television, wondering when it's going to be over. There's a good chance they won't be back. Serving people is one of the most basic elements, the basic needs of our ministry, because people are the church, not programs, people. 
People are the church, and our church needs you. Young, old, whatever, we need every single one of you. Paul said this in Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Now look at this, which is your reasonable service. Now when you enlist at the end of this series something to do for God, something, we're going to have to direct some of you. We're going to have to redirect some of you. We know that but be willing. Number six, we should serve because we owe everything to Christ. In Titus chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible says, who gave himself for us, and that ought to be sufficient, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. If the Lord gave us life, if he gave us his blood, if he gave us his pardon, if he gave us his redemption, if he gave us a place in heaven, can we not all give one hour somewhere a week for him. Mark 8.35, the word said, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. We need to baptize ourselves in this thing of serving the Lord. Number seven, serving the Lord will make your life meaningful. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And I promise you this, that serving the Lord, it's a game changer. It's a game changer in your life. When you lose yourself in his service, it's going to produce humility. And why is humility important? Because Jesus said this in John 3.30. He said, he must increase. This, these are the words of John. He must increase, but I must decrease. And number eight, and our musicians can come forward. We serve because in the end, in the end, we will all be held accountable. In Romans 14.12, the Bible says, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Please listen to this. Christianity is not just about not going to hell when you die. After our salvation experience, we need to ask the question, what's next? Because it then becomes this thing about go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. But then it comes down to this, teaching them, teaching them to observe all things. Observing all things is serving the Lord. We have to teach people to serve the Lord. We have to. Listen carefully. None of us got saved to do God a favor. We got saved to serving. Now I've given you eight reasons why we should serve and perhaps you can think of twice as many why you can't. But in the end, I ask you this question, what will it matter? What will it matter? All these different reasons why it's not going to work? Or what would matter for me to live as Christ? And to die is gain.
this morning, I, these, these sermons, they're burning in my heart. It's a passion. It's burdened. And I hope that there is just a little bit that I can say in such a way that the Holy Spirit will transfer it to you and where you will, maybe when you're sleeping, maybe at your break time on work or in your morning devotions or in a little bit of time before you go to bed at night, you'll sit back and you'll say, you know, this thing of serving the Lord, that's for me. And you might say, well, I can't do all of this and that. that that's all right, because God's not going to ask you to do anything that's not reasonable. He calls us to a reasonable service. And if God calls you, he will equip you. If it's just putting blue envelopes in the pew, if it's just putting gospel tracts in the rack, if it's picking up a piece of paper on the floor, if it's changing a dirty diaper in the nursery, listen, there's something for us all to do. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.